Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 164 of the Pico Society Podcast. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Evelson, and joining me, we have my co-host, Anomaly. Hello, hello. Uh, and this week, uh, well, there's a few things. We have a ton of interviews, both forward-looking, talking about augmentation uh, specifically, um, and also kind of some retrospective stuff. There's an interview uh, that Max did talking with a couple people about things about Aberus, about the gearing system, about the tuning, about weak auras. Uh, so we're going to be talking about interview stuff today. Uh, also, we are both progressing Sarkareth. Yeah. How's, how, how's that going? You made a face. You made a face. Kind of, kind of progressing. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, look, it's, it is the middle of summertime here in the old yeah. United States of America where we raid. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to hit pretty hard by just the, the vacation boss, I'll say in general. So yeah. Okay. Our, our progress is probably not where we generally want to be. Um, yeah. And, and that's just because I don't think we've had a, we've had the same, luckily healing wise, same healing, cool, same healing comp. So like that hasn't, you know, that hasn't been an issue, but like, yeah, we were on, I think our third different tank comp. Oh um, no. Yeah. We had, uh, and well, we'll say unexpected, but one of our tanks posted out like three months ago and never bumped like that they were out <laughs> and so was like oh yeah he isn't gonna be here today um so thursday raid was interesting this week because it was a it was a dps going tank and then having to pull in one of our former raiders to fill in a dps box we literally had exactly 20 oh, with no. that person showing up so yeah it was um so thursday raid was i mean it was to be fair good we probably made our best pulls you know on thursday uh just in progression but we're like 80 90 pulls in and only really like uh, to be fair like maybe p2 is getting a little bit cleaner but not yeah not anything, no progress in p3 so it's a it's definitely a little bit of a of a rough boss i feel like we as a guild this is like a pretty common thing for us we're like the at least for the past like probably honestly i'd probably say like four ish tiers since really the start of shadowlands where like we get to the last boss and it's just like the roster boss is the real of, boss. It, yeah, exactly. And it's funny because it's not it, roster boss definitely, but it's not like people leaving. It's just like vacation, pounding like yeah. uh, real life stuff, like hitting at the yeah. same time. So, um, but um, but no, it's I mean, to be fair. I mean, I think spirits are still high. It's just been it's been rough with like the musical chairs of like key rolls and and stuff like that. So yeah, we uh, I wish I could say it were different for us, and it's not as bad as it sounds like it is for you guys. Um, mm -hmm. But we have had like okay on Friday, um, so we we have a five healer uh, roster. Um, mm -hmm. This is a four heal boss, so that gives us some wiggle room already. One of our healers had a vacation starting today, so they were just out on the boss because um, mm -hmm. we we were like pretty sure we were still going to be working on it today, which lo and behold we are um and then our other one of our other healers uh posted out on friday uh, oh okay for for unexpected irl reasons they are fine but like unexpected irl reasons um so on friday we brought that guy in uh and i spent like some time before raid like catching him up on things and like that ended up not being a problem. Raid on the healing side went completely fine. Nice. Um, we just had five different people DC during the night. Oh no! <laughs> and like most of them got back on within a couple of pulls, but we just had one guy that was like in and out, in and out, in and out, filling oh, spots. It God. was so bad. Um, oh, and uh, so then because this this guy. Uh, this other healer is out today for his vacation that he's been looking yeah. forward to. And our other healer is not back yet. We have one of our DPS uh, filling in the healing spot tonight. Um, and, you know, it's... <sighs> we we did look a little bit at three healing as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm actually... I might just, for funsies... Funsies? Yeah. You know, air quotes. Tonight... 
uh before raid look at setting up a heal three heal cd plane just in case we have more disconnects just in case gosh yeah that'll be that'll be intense i mean that yeah, the first phase is definitely the the worst of it. Like even like with us, like in our progression, if we get to like the couple of attempts we had deep into P two, with like which means most of the the raid makes it through. Like the healing requirement yeah. is like non-existent, so it's all yeah. All fate, P1, like really. it's all in. Can you survive the two clears in phase one? Basically, can yeah. you live through those two things? If you can, then you can easily three heal the rest of the fight. Um, as long as like there's there is basically a soft range at that point in phase three, where mm-hmm. the the damage does become untenable with three healers, but it's pretty deep. And it, if you're three healing, you have an extra DPS unless you're doing something stupid like three tanking. Yeah, um, exactly. So, but I mean, we we looked a little bit at it, and it was just like, okay, well, there are people that have done it, but not on prog. They did it on farm, and. Gotcha. It's like, okay, so for those people, if they make it through phase one with everybody alive, they can probably just kill the boss. Right, right. Whereas for us, we need to make it through phase one with everybody alive just to continue progressing. You know, phase three basically is where we're at right now. We got yeah. kind of stuck in phase two. Phase two, actually very hard on the tanks in terms of damage and tank. Um, yes. Yeah, I was a little bit unprepared for how hard I was going to get slammed at the end of the phase. Like the 340, 350 time frame, I get absolutely destroyed. And basically if I don't have fortifying brew, I probably am dead. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the first it's the first time we've we have assigned tank cooldowns like or external sorry, not assigned tank cooldowns, but actual externals like four tanks at certain points. First time we've actively yeah. discussed that versus like just them calling when they needed it or us using them so we have we have a couple of those now for for phase two um i do so like the first set of of ads in phase two just dies because of the haste buff yeah. um second set and third set i am aoe taunting and tanking um and the aoe taunt helps paper over a little bit of just like people going nuts on the ads immediately when they spawn yeah. uh makes it just a little bit more consistent because they all just follow me around. But it does mean that I am tanking, you know, the three or four no glimmers. I think it's three no glimmers and the uh, empty recollection and the boss at the same time. And oh, yeah. uh, you start taking that that empty strike debuff and things get spooky. No. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, I think in, in general, we'll hopefully this week is a little bit better. We got a couple people back. Um, but yeah, it's... It's been, it's, I don't know. I, I don't mind the fight. It's short. Like we, we've put in, I think like those 90 pulls in three nights. Right. So it's like, we've, you get a bunch of pulls in and I think I like that type of boss. Um, but it just, yeah, yeah, it sucks that we're not making as much progress. I think we can. So yeah, it is the downside. It is a nice, it is a seven and a half minute fight. Like the actual there, it's technically not a hard enrage, but the boss starts pulsing. Like you take 20% more damage stacking at seven thirty five. Um, so like past that point, you die very quickly. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, yeah. hopefully, I mean, hopefully we get to see phase three this week and yeah, I mean, for you, it sounds like you're trying to get through phase three. So fingers crossed, like on Friday, we spent a lot of time in phase two and some of that is the tank stuff, which is very frustrating for me because I try to be really prepared and I just was like dying at this 340 <laughs> mark just over and over and over yeah um and it really was like like i was using cooldowns earlier to you know live through things safely that really i could probably live without a cooldown or use a smaller thing like an iron bark yeah like iron bark is not as good as fortifying brew and so really needed to actually have fortifying brew at that point um, it mm-hmm. felt like to really be safe or to stack other cooldowns or like you can probably do it with Blessing of Sacrifice because I learned this week the Blessing of Sacrifice is really, really, really good for Holy Paladins. Yeah. Like around 40% damage reduction for the duration as long as they don't get too low HP. Yeah. Kind of kind of wild. That's pretty pretty okay. Pretty okay. Um, but cool, yeah. I mean, hopefully we're talking, you know, at least at least for next week more into P3 and then for you, maybe, maybe it's close to a kill or a kill. So. Yeah, I mean, I I have the changes to the boss. I have no concept really of like how much time phase three typically takes people. We're not yeah. doing. We we've decided that we are going to do the no down strat, the no down okay. do the second uh, double dispel, 
and then just like kill the boss, which has a fairly low DPS check, mm-hmm. and you just have to survive that one pain point um, where you do the double dispel because that does it just an absolute ton of damage. Right, yeah. And people don't really do that, so I don't really like. <laughs> the idea is it's mechanically simpler because you don't have to have the whole raid stacked on the one person. So the way the way the regular yeah. strat works for those that aren't familiar with it um, is you have a cosmic ascension that's the big blue or big purple circle that goes out, um, and when it finishes, rocks spawn. Those rocks are really bad. You don't want those rocks uh, because they pulse damage when you have to hide, uh, and on mythic that just like it does too much damage and you die. Yeah. Um, so on top of that, going down lets you clear your oblivion stacks. So what the the previous meta strat is, and maybe also the future meta strat, we'll have to see, is that um, before the third cosmic ascension, the whole raid, except for one tank, uh, has, stacks on one person that finds a moat of oblivion, goes downstairs, and then comes back up like more or less exactly 19 seconds later you have up to 20 seconds down there you have like a one second window to come back up yeah it's pretty tight on top of like you have to be at five plus stacks in order to go down on that moat if you don't you die to other people going down um there's no retry you miss it you're you're your host you're dead um and so like there's just like it's pretty technical versus like the one that we're doing, which is mostly uh, gate out of the ascension and walk back and then just like DPS the boss. But then you have the double dispel and that's the actual like hard thing. That's one of the things they go down. The double dispel happens while everybody's downstairs. One goes on the tank. He clears it mm-hmm. and, um, you know, everything's good. In theory. <laughs> In theory. <laughs> Other people have done this strat. We're not the first people to do it. Uh, all of them that I've seen are just like completely scuffed, two people alive at the end kind of kills. So nice. I'm hoping that we're a little bit cleaner, but um, like we got to work through phase three. We got to get get through these these issues and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, like there's a there's always a slim chance we could just YOLO into a kill if we play really well tonight. We just spent right. all of our time progressing phase three. We could we could get a kill, but more realistically, it's happening next week. Nice, nice. Well, cool. Well, yeah, definitely, definitely. Good luck on that. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll definitely be talking more next week about that stuff. So, um, so cool. So before we get into, I guess the uh, the um, the interview bonanza that occurred this week because the new patch is live on on well this reset so either tuesday wednesday or thursday depending on your your region um there's a couple things that i wanted to touch on um just in general that aren't actually some of these are interview questions but i think we can talk about them sort of outside of the the context of the interview so the first one was basically that uh in ian's interview with i believe it was wowhead um he mentioned that they're going to change some of the looting starting in 1015 uh or sorry loot drop um in 1015 and essentially what's ending up happening is they're going to reduce the number of set pieces that drop uh in relation to other loot um and so the um the main reason i think there and they sort of talked through about it, this idea is that we're halfway through quote unquote the season that they're calling this um the catalyst is available and so having you know tier sets take up more than say two or two or more uh, loot drop slot sort of you know lessens your ability to get other items that you can't catalyst yourself yeah. into um and so i think you know ultimately this is an, an interesting change it's kind of the first time i feel like they've they've done like a blanket like loot drop change like this um and so yeah. we'll, we'll see how this this plays out but we basically get less tier pieces more other loot starting with your your kills this week so the the numbers are um if you look at the 20 player group size aka mythic or just like heroic or normal with 20 people instead mm-hmm. of getting two tier items and two non-tier items you get three non-tier items and one tier item it's still four items so it's not less loot um it's just that what you get fewer tier uh per boss kill yep yeah which is uh which is good it, it's sort of 
potentially means more of like the chase items or you know rare items or even just like trinkets which we never see maybe we'll see more of them we have more chances to to see them i guess we'll say yeah. uh coming up this week so see that's a it's a a good i think this is a good change i think this is something that like they it's it's nice that they're thinking about making these type of changes like again i think this is the theme of dragonflight it's like they are basically like looking across the board and like finding things to tune or change um where traditionally they would have probably left this in place right yeah um you know previously so um but cool so that's sort of the i guess the one thing i want to sort of to just break out in terms of new stuff and then secondarily just in terms of just again this is a 1015 thing but not really interview related uh they did do another large tuning pass on the mega dungeon uh what's the name dawn of the infinite right dawn of the infinite yeah dawn of the infinite um and it's a it's a it's various tweaks across pretty much every boss um some bosses were nerfed some bosses were buffed um, but again, sort of a general tuning pass across the board um, for the Mega Dungeon. So it looks like they're trying to hone in on a, a specific difficulty, which, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this last week. It seems like, or and even in their interviews this week, they mentioned this, is they're trying to aim a little bit higher in terms of difficulty for this uh, for this content. Um, but I mean, if you're, I think if you're in the 440s, you probably, well, it's new content might be slightly difficult just based on it being new. You shouldn't have an issue with like, healing damage you know tanking stuff like that it'll just be learning the yeah. mechanics so in that in that perspective so um but cool so that's it that's it for the news before we sort of jump into um all the interviews um and i wanted to start with sort of just a quick little recap on the changes that are coming in uh particularly just around the classes so blizzard did their normal hey we have here's all the the patch notes for the entire thing and it's like extremely extensive like yeah, there are there yeah. are it's it's hilarious if you look at well maybe not all other classes <laughs> certain classes have like one bullet point and you're like you know like demon hunter has just this flat damage ability increase that's their only bullet point for demon hunter on vengeance and then like you look at mage or, or druid or um yeah you know, evoker and stuff like that and it's like they they wrote a novel in terms of the amount of changes so um but in terms of monk um there's really well i think you have the brand new, we talked, we spent almost an right. entire episode talking about press the advantage, new talent um, coming in next week, which is super cool. So um, I want to briefly mention that got nerfed hard. Okay. Right? That got nerfed really hard. So there's this text on the end now that things that it triggers that benefit from Tiger Palm trigger at reduced effectiveness. And so basically gotcha. what that means is your face palm that was, you know, doubling Tiger Palm damage is not going to be doubling your Rising Sun Kick damage anymore. I think the current number is 10%. Okay. Which Rising Sun Kick does like four or five times the damage of Tiger Palm. Um, so, and there's other things that the talent does, like it gives you a stacking damage buff and things like that. So it's not like uh, dead, dead. Mm -hmm. It's just no longer hilariously overpowered. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, we are no longer going to be beating Windwalkers in single target DPS and taking their Wind, uh, wind Fury totem spot and all this stuff. Um, it is so. I think the last numbers that Kate had were that um, it is. I think the the wording was just barely not competitive with weapons of order. Which honestly, for like uh, a thing uh, that replaces two active abilities with something that now can be treated as fairly passive, that you are no longer just so heavily rewarded for stacking things up with Rising Sun Kick, mm -hmm. um, I think is okay. We'll see where it ends up. I think it's okay for it to just be like, you know, you can do 5% less DPS, but you can just have two fewer buttons and just like yeah. focus on your core rotation, focus on your defenses. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe good that they, they reined it in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, yeah. And yeah, it sounds like they didn't overdo it, which is, I think always the scary part when something is, is generally that good. Right. Is. Yeah. It so, um, cool. Um, I guess in terms of, uh, well, Windwalker, we can talk quickly about Windwalker. They just got a flat damage increase, uh, I think a 2%. So, uh, whole, Little, little funny there not many changes um 
And then Mistweaver, minor changes at best. I think the only interesting change, uh, which is something we've sort of talked about in a while, is Font of Life. Um, so Font of Life is a talent um, where part of it essentially increases the initial healing from Essence Font. It used to be a flat amount. So it was very good early. Mm, and, and not essentially, so good after. Yeah, not so great. What you got a little bit. Really, it was good before you hit the first raid tier and then it was bad. <laughs> um, and it That's had always bad. been, <laughs> yeah, it had always been an initial amount. Font of Life actually comes from the old, um, what's the BFA system? Azerite gears. So it was an yeah. Azerite power. Um, and it made sense as a static amount that because it increased with like Azerite. Your gears level, level gear, yeah. yeah. Um, but now it's just a 25% increase the initial heal. Um, so it'll scale with your gear, just 25% harder. So solid change there. Um, and a minor reduction in ancient teachings, uh, healing to or damage to healing conversion. Um, generally, that's because we got an overall uh, damage buff across the board to Mistweaver. So essentially, yeah. eels should stay relatively the same. It's just they've adjusted the conversion because you're doing more damage. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention, like, we were talking about Sarkarath Prog, and like, we're both looking at going into next week on our progression. There mm -hmm. are reworks of all three mage specs. Holy Paladin rework. Yeah. Uh, major Brewmaster changes, positive ones, but major. Um, did anybody else get a rework? Not a rework, but I feel like wasn't. Oh no, Shadow was mostly just like their utility or, or healing stuff was was changed. Right. There. They have a they have yeah. a long list, but it's all like mana values yeah. changing because they're changing the base mana for hybrid specs. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm wondering, I wonder, I believe Affliction got some stuff or some of the Warlock specs as, you know, uh, the main character of World of Warcraft. Um, I think they got some some changes too um, across the board. And plus, I mean, we have Augmentation, which we'll talk a little bit more, but we have Augmentation Evoker coming in. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, all the changes. So, yeah, I wonder, yeah, I have no idea how that's going to affect particularly our raid group. Um, Mostly for the fact that, like, I feel like we have a different set of 20 people in every week. So it's like we don't get to pick and choose in a lot of cases. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, the um, uh, the Holy Paladin rework is the scariest thing for me. Like, yeah. if our mages find damage in different ways, it's fine. Um, Holy Paladin changes. Like, right now, Holy Paladin basically doesn't have cooldowns to assign. You assign Aura Mastery. Yeah. And that's, like, it. Like... If this changes it so that it's no longer just like constantly dumping out HPS, that not only changes our overall healing profile for the fight, but it also means that I'm going to have to work on healing cooldowns again. And be like, right, okay, exactly. Where do these yeah. go now? And I mean, so. I think even even playstyle wise, right? Like, there's a bunch of changes to just casting in general. So like a lot more flash of light, holy lights, which changes how the class plays, which sometimes translates, sometimes doesn't, like the individual player. So right, yeah, it's um. Well, our current Holy Paladin is a former Disc Priest, so I think they'll be okay as a caster. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and I'm wondering, yeah, so class-wise, I think that's that's every, like, those are the major ones, which will be, again, we'll see how it affects progression. Um, yeah. And then, the, of course, like, oh, sorry. I was going to mention just the ring nerfs. Uh, yeah. Both the Aranog ring and the Onyx Analyte are getting nerfed. You're going to have to just sim after the patch and, or you can actually go on raid bots now, I believe, and use the PTR uh, option to yep. sim when it'll be after the patch. Stuff like Brewmaster Sims is still very much work in progress. Kate is actively working on the APLs for that. Like actually like huge, huge shout out to them for putting in just a gargantuan amount of work on Brewmaster Sims, this expansion. They have hard carried it. Like, Hina Lover does a lot of the implementation, like here's what the spell actually does. But then in terms of implementing the APL and figuring out what what the rotation is, Kate has just like hard, hard carried that. It's it's uh, been nice because I have not <laughs> touched yeah. it at all. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, for even for healers, like the Onyx Rings will be something you'd want to replace. So um, sooner rather than later. So yeah, that'll be good. Um, a couple of, we've talked about a lot of this other stuff like the new mythic upgrade track is going to be in and that's retroactive we mentioned that last week so um all your mythic gear can go from 441 to 447 the you know an extra six item level which is cool um they are opening cross realm trading of items and gold 
uh, which is big for like if you have a cross realm raid or you, know, you have characters you're pulling in from other servers that want to raid with you. So this make sales hugely easier, by the way. Yeah, this <laughs> this is also something that would have helped a lot with the legendary situation in Shadowlands. Yeah, like obviously cross realm regional like regional auction house for commodities helps a ton there, but um, still just like being able to trade with people on you know like the legendary base items were not actually commodities so they wouldn't have been affected by this but like right. being able to just like trade it it's good i don't think this is cross realm trading like uh what's it crafting post thing yet um no. but hopefully that's on their radar and hopefully that as part of doing that they'll do something about all the people posting public orders with no materials and, and like one gold commission i hate that like nobody's that. making your stupid item that costs right. twenty thousand gold of materials uh for one gold just to get the the point. Yeah, like, exactly. That's not happening. Yeah, it's all I've been I've been trying to level slowly level my enchanting on one of my alts. So I just do the I have all the the aspect things. Yeah. So like I've been checking that. Yeah, there's a bunch of times where I'm like, oh, like this guy five gold. I, I'll I'll use that for the skill up, but there'll be like no materials. I'm like, I'm not. No. This yeah, is not I how mean this works. My DK actually might have basically bricked inscription because <laughs> I need 15 more skill points, not knowledge points, knowledge points. I have tons of skill points to yeah. uh, unlock the final specialization. And the only way for me to get them is to craft stuff that costs sparks, but it's none of the, it's like trinkets and stuff that I can craft and I yeah. can't do it at high level because I'm Skill level 60, right? Oh my god, yeah. So I need to, like, I'm probably going to just start taking sparks to just be able to, like, in five weeks, I'll be able to craft five of these stupid trinkets, get 15 skill points, unlock the final thing, and finally move on. Yeah. But it's going to cost me, like, five sparks because of how the stupid profession works. That's rough, yeah. That's rough. That's rough. Um, I'm trying to think. The only other... Uh, reading through the notes, the only other interest, well, not the only thing in, that, that caught my eye was they've added a skip to a raid. Uh, ra I feel like randomly, but they added a skip into Siege of Ogremar. So if you've killed Garrosh Hellscream, you can now, I think it's there's a there's an item or a, a scroll you can click at the beginning of the instance that's por basically ports you to the final boss. So if you have never done Siege of Ogremar before, it's a very, like, linear raid and takes absolutely forever tons of running around there's yeah. no i don't think you can mount at all in it so um really good raid by the way it contains probably two of my favorite fights ever um and it used to be probably one of the fights i hated the most in spoils uh of pandera but um that has been taken over by a couple couple of fights this this tier we'll say um but uh but yeah no it's uh is siege was a really good raid, but now you can skip to the end. It just makes farming, particularly I think people want um, the the mount and then um, the sh the Garrosh shoulders drop from Garrosh, of course, in siege. So right, the plate shoulders for transmog. So uh, that's a that's a cool change. It's cool that they're going back to sort of help people do that because that raid is like at least thirty to forty five minutes of, just, of mostly just running. So yeah, um, but definitely worth it. So um, well, cool. Anything else you can? You wanted to bring up from the just the patch notes in general? No, I uh, I think now it's interview time. Just interview, 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 interview. Cool, um, lovely. So you want to start with? I think we start with the the max interview because that okay. one is less like most of the other ones talk at length about augmentation evoker. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of the the big new thing. Whereas the max one is more looking back at Aberus and looking back at some of the things with that. Um, so I was talking about this a little bit before the show. Um, they spend quite a bit of time talking about gearing. Um, and I think, so this interview is uh, Max from uh, Liquid uh, interviewing Morgan Day and Michael Neuthals. And I don't know. So Michael Neuthals is a uh, leading counter designer. Neuthal. And then Morgan Day is, of course, Morgan Day, a.k.a. Associate Game Director. A.k.a. Um, best dev on the team. Yeah. <laughs> love, love Morgan. Um so they do talk about like gearing and what that meant for raid tuning. And they did acknowledge actually that they underestimated how quickly 
the like people got eye level and that did play a factor in multiple things including how quickly the raid was cleared um because so the actual actual uh, I'm I'm quoting from a quote uh the week 1 average item levels were approximately equal to the week 4 of previous tiers for high end guilds like liquid yeah yeah, and this section, like, while they talk about, so because I, I I listened to the the interview and like why they talk while why or why while can't even speak why while they talk through this section, like that's basically the idea is that uh, Max sort of mentioned like universally systems loved like they're like at the high end even at the you know low end mid tier like from Max's perspective like streaming and talking to people in his community right everybody loves it and I think from even from my perspective this is probably one of the best like. Uh, like I'll say like not catch up mechanics, but like basically power, um, like power creep, like gearing yeah. things. And like that I think is really good. Typically it's like a badge system. We had an upgrade system like a while ago with Valor upgrades, but you'd only get two things. You just collected Valor points, however you wanted. Right. Um, but this is sort of like you do appropriate content to get an item that you then use to upgrade your gear that you may have gotten from that appropriate content. So yeah. Um, yeah, overall, I think that was sort of the sentiment of like great system, just literally too fast like you got the power increases too fast and so like like you mentioned like like morgan mentions this and says that essentially like yeah we think we like the system but we think it was too fast too soon and he like it that presents yeah. additional problems around like typically and traditionally like gear nerfs fights and if you are the same gear level you are in the middle of a tier yeah. and you get to the last boss and you can't kill it you essentially are sitting around twiddling your thumbs until the designers or developers nerf that fight yeah right and that's kind of like that was where Sepulcher was. Sepulcher was like tuned for you to have the best gear in order to kill the jailer. That's basically yeah. how it was, and that's part of the reason that the raid got so many nerfs. Yeah. Um, this felt more like the raid was tuned around us being like four thirty five for a lot of bosses, for which we were four forty one. Yeah. And so it felt like we were already in those like late tier gear nerf kind of situations on week three mm-hmm. um there's also like i think some of the issue here is like because aspect crests were functionally useless like you got as many aspect crests as you got whatever the next one down is worm crests yeah um but you only needed one aspect crest per item slot yeah to and, upgrade it, yeah. <laughs> and so they were you really ran out of uses for them very quickly and you could just downgrade downgrade them into extra worm crests and basically double your worm crest cap, um, and really gear very very like scale up your gear very very fast. But overall, like the system, I think worked out really well. Like a lot of the complaints I hear about it now are just that we have a ton of aspect crests sitting around on our mains while our alts are over here. Like, you know, yeah. when you're pugging low keys on your alt you do very frequently just not time the key and get only five fragments. And then it's just like you, it takes like two hours to get a single crest between all of the waiting for a group and all of the, you know, everything. So that's, I think the biggest thing is just like on alts getting, getting crests feels just like super slow. Um, But that's maybe just like a reflection of how quickly we got crests on our mains. Like if you have a guild and you have um, the ability to just like farm these keys. Oh yeah. um, You just get so many so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was our thing. I think like, I'm not extremely hardcore. Like I don't play this game, you know, tons of hours. Um, But yeah, even by week two, I essentially was out of things to upgrade. And all of my gear was either for like 440 or yeah. What's the highest? 441 is the high, highest. 441 right? is what you could go to. Yeah. So yeah. it's like at that point, it's like, well, if someone like me who I'll do my eight to 10, you know, mythic plus dungeons to cap out aspect crest right for the first two weeks. But like after that, you're right. Like there was no reason for me to step back into, you know, a 16 after that. So. Right. And this is also something that like jumping around a little bit. The Ian interview also talked a little bit about gear. And one of the things that he talked about was how the degree to which you could upgrade heroic gear felt like it devalued mythic gear Mm -hmm. where you could get 441 from heroic by just upgrading it. Upgrading was very accessible, very easy to do. So then you go and you do mythic, Kazara drops 441 
amalgamation jumps 441 um and what's it zakali assault 441 you don't hit the next tier of items actually until do you is it i guess you hit 444 from forgotten experiments in Rashok. yeah and, and that's only three item levels over what you can get your heroic gear to right yeah so the power gain is extremely minor right like yeah from, and, from heroic in there yeah and so like one of the things that, that ian talked about is how it felt like the ease with which you could upgrade that heroic gear into basically mythic eye level devalued the mythic gear and so one of the things they're doing and i'm curious how they all evolve this but one of the things they're doing in 1015 like we mentioned earlier is there's the ability to upgrade your mythic gear even further so now instead of it being 441 or 444 it goes to 447 so you can mm -hmm. get like now it's going to be six eye levels better for your rash ox bolt and hurt Right. Still not like a huge jump, but it's something. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, yeah. I think, like in general, I think the setup, the sentiment's always going to be this is probably one of the best upgrade, like progression type systems they've had in a while. So they just need to tune it. I think, like, not make any major changes. Like tune acquisition, tune how many of these things you can get in a week. Um, yeah. To basically generally slow the gearing process up. Um, I do think like look thinking back a little bit about how we talked about this system before it went live and how complicated it is i think the complexity was warranted because if i think back through our experience with the system yeah just the, the the number of bad feels of just like don't know what's going on and like did something wrong and and now you just lost a, a resource basically forever is just very very low right like yeah. in contrast with like the crafting system where people accidentally crafted the wrong item with a spark. Right. Yeah. Um, which happened way more often and could really set you back. Like I actually did that on my mage recently. I crafted, I didn't realize I was wearing one of the crafted rings and those are unique equipped, even though there's why are they, why are there two separate unique equipped rings that you can craft? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah. what is this? Anyway, I crafted <laughs> the same one twice and um support will not help you your, yeah. your host the only thing they'll do is if you uh have crafted something that is literally unusable for your class i believe that they will help you with that because we had some some people in tenno that mm -hmm. like um they crafted the strength sword instead of the int sword or vice versa yeah yeah um and and got some help with that but if it's just like you know you just crafted another ring. Great. Like that was just very, very frustrating. And it's so easy to do that compared with like this system. It's so hard. You have to be like actively trying to do something that is just really bad uh, oh, yeah. and very costly for you. Um, yeah. Like I think probably the, the extent of it was like a couple people made multiple enchanted aspect crests in the first week and mm -hmm. then weren't able to finish upgrading their gear and had to wait yeah. until the next week but it wasn't even like like it just meant that they had to wait until the next week right it wasn't like they lost something because they did use those enchanted aspect crests oh, yeah yeah exactly um it just meant that you know the order of operations is a little bit backwards yeah yeah so i mean yeah i mean i i yeah i don't know how much more we can say about the system yeah at least in terms of like that we haven't already but no i think it it turned out really well i just in general, the from Morgan, from what Morgan has sort of hinted at, is they just want to sort of slow it down a little bit, which yeah. seems like it's a potentially like easier fix there. Yeah. Um, so uh, then, oh sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was, was going to move on. I was going to well. do weak ores. Yeah, I was going to yeah, do weak yeah. ores basically. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So they so Max basically asked the question around like how they felt. Um, the private weak auras sort of, or sorry, private auras turned out in terms of their impact, you know, on weak auras. And, you know, I think we, you and I had talked about this when it first came out and the idea was essentially weak auras today, extremely complex and can essentially run the game for you. Like they'll, if you get a debuff or three people get a debuff, it can tell you like how to clear, what number to clear, potentially where to run to if you yeah. have predetermined locations, all that fun stuff. So they tested private auras um, essentially on two key boss or two main bosses. So the, Bleed effect from the first boss on Forgotten Experiments, um, that charge he does, that you can't sort of denote who has it or put point, like people can't tell what it, or you can't uh, 
from a week or tell people where to go based on that. It's a simple mechanics. You can sort of figure it out your own. Right. Um, and then the other one was the, the, the main one that this comes up is on the volcanic hearts on Neltharis. Um, uh, which is essentially the idea of those five things that come out and you have to sort of spread out away from people. Um, the other, the other places is, is on Neltharion, the, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. The, the knockbacks that people get, the, the purple lines that they get. Yeah. That's technically a private aura, but one of the other things we saw there is, um, basically a side channel attack is what it's called. And like, when you're talking about security, there mm-hmm. is another thing you could look at that wasn't the debuff. Um, to figure out who is getting the debuff. And then you could use that for your weak horror, which is how there's an assignment thing that both bigwigs and there's a weak horror for it yeah. that will assign a person to to break a wall with that mechanic. And the other two are assigned to not break a wall. So even though it's a private aura, there is a way to do assignment for it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Int- okay. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they they talked a little bit about this and the idea of you know, the main reason they, they moved to this and they're going to continue to use this is essentially to to get people to look at the game. It's kind of like the way that um, the, the lead counter designer, um, Michael, sort of described it is the idea of like not just staring at a bunch of weak ores or like seeing a triangle pop up on your screen and then you run to the triangle, right? There's like right. looking at the world around you as you're playing the game. So, I mean, um, I think to be fair to accomplish that they talked a little bit about the list week aura which is sort of what people typically use today it's just a list of all the raid members if you have the debuff you count what number you are and then based on that number you run to a specific spot or, or through an yeah. area um and uh and yeah so i mean they talked a little bit about that and they're okay with that um they didn't seem like they're going to do anything to sort of break that functionality they were not okay with the map week aura though <laughs> uh they they mentioned that like in like i think morgan mentioned basically the the thing of like yeah we're okay with like the the list but that map we might have to do something about (laughs) um that okay so this is like neltharion is a great like they did not pull back far enough on these things um to work without weak chorus yeah they just didn't um the volcanic heart was too big on the thick came out too fast and too frequently like one of those things needed to change mm-hmm. um, potentially multiple of those things needed to change in order for that to be a mechanic that you could realistically do and also the visibility of it like seeing who has it being able to more easily be like okay i see there's this big pillar of fire over there that i know somebody is going to that corner right um might have been helpful as well um or doing things like you know maybe the game gave people colors maybe it's like everybody there's you know you get five hearts and two of them are red and two of them are yellow and like one of them is orange and that can help you like the yellow ones go here and the orange ones go here and then you can play it without the weak aura but like that mechanic just did not have like they needed to pull back harder the other like you mentioned the forgotten experiments one felt fine and i 100 percent agree you had a lot more time. The mechanic was oh, not yeah. as punishing. Like it, it was fine. Um, and the, the knock one on Neltharion, I think actually would have been fine without a weak aura. Yeah. It's just that it happened to be that. So the way it worked is the boss actually targets each person in sequence that he's going to put it on. Yeah. So you could just look at that and see, Oh, the boss targeted ABC. Okay. A, you're breaking the wall. B and C, get out of the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think that one would have been fine without a weak aura, uh, but mm-hmm. volcanic heart, just no way. Just no way. Yeah. No, it was. It was definitely. It was. Yeah. With the range nerf, I think it made it slightly easier with the the fight, like the the range nerf they did a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. Made it manageable, but yeah, it was. It was interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's that's on the sort of the, the weak or stuff. One thing that Morgan did sort of probably leak, um, or I don't know if it's a leak, but talk about. I don't about, think he technically, yeah, like technically it's not a leak because he's allowed yeah. to say it. Yeah, but it's sort of a little <laughs> bit of spoiler. And the first time anyone's hearing about it, but coming in 1017, um, they're actually adding like a ping system, or I guess they're calling it a contextual ping system, which they likened it to like the Dota 2 or League of Legends pinging. You're not familiar with those with MOBAs, like you essentially can hit a it's, I think it's alt plus left click in Dota, uh, and you can ping a location basically. 
yeah. um, on the map and it shows up for every other player well every other player on your team in that game um and they i think dota and both league have contextual pings too where you can basically ping like danger here or like you can ping like attack here or like defend yeah. here depending uh, on what you want to do and th- this is very similar like if you played any sort of the, the battle royales like like fortnite and modern warfare they also have similar ping systems like, in a first person shooter type idea yeah um, and so they're adding essentially a ping system to wow which w- is actually really cool um the idea of being able to like ping locations where people go and like or like ping that you're taking this spot so that way people stay away from it i, I will tell you like that's been on the start of any fight, like so I think Volcanic Heart's a, a good example of this, but you can think about any fight where you have to move to a certain position as an individual and it might not be fully assigned every time you go there. Yeah. Um, and there might be like multiples you have to pick. And so like I know that like for Volcanic Heart in some cases, we used to we we had a pretty bad string of about 15 attempts where we would die or we would kill people in a certain position because like the the volcanic hearts wouldn't communicate. And so they'd stack yeah. on top of each other or someone would be like in a position they shouldn't be. And so like that meant another person was out of position and like just it became chaos. And so yeah, a ping system like this will be, will be interesting. I've cool. seen a few people going like, I don't see the point of this. Like we could already put uh, world markers out and that's basically a ping. Two things. First off, these are ephemeral. They're not going to like linger around. But they also don't conflict. Like there's a lot of fights where we use all of the world markers. Yeah, Notharian key example where I think we used every one of them. So yeah, Um, and in those scenarios, like it's a real pain. Like you do a poll, and maybe you use a world marker as a like contextual thing, where it's like, oh, I need you to go here. I need you to go to square, Um, and we move square, and then we forget to move it back, and then we wipe because square is not in the in the place it's supposed to be, Um, and that's like a point of frustration. Um, But also uh, being able to potentially have. A lot of people do this like you couldn't like let's say volcanic heart you had more time mm-hmm. and you had time for people to be able to like okay everybody just like ping the spot you're going to like volcanic heart would need to last a little bit longer for that to work but hypothetically if it did you could do that and you can't have like five of your over half of your world markers dedicated to that along oh, yeah. with like everybody would have to use a different world marker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also not practical, or four of your world markers, because it's four hearts. But but still, it's like, is it four? It's five. It's five. Um, it's just like, there. this does add things. This is, this is yeah. adding things that are hard to do. Like, some of it you can do with world markers. A lot of it is very difficult to do with world markers in practice. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, the, the contextual nature of it, I think will be interesting too, particularly depending on what they do about like, is this an attack? Like, again, similar if we sort of take Dota 2 as an example, like, are you, is this like a move thing where I'm going to move here? Is this like a danger area where like you want to stay yeah. away from it? Um, so we'll, we'll see what they, how they actually implement this. Um, and if I, I'll be completely honest with you, the one thing that sort of concerns me is that like, if you can limit who can ping in a group, uh, yeah, that would be something that I think would be helpful in my raid because I know that people will troll at least a couple I, times a night. <laughs> like I want a raid. I don't want to have to give the whole raid assist in order to let them use pings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't want it to be like only raid assists can use pings. That just kind of defeats the point, honestly, for me. Yeah, um, like it would be useful, but it would be way less useful. Uh, but I do like, you know. There's got to be some kind of like rate limiting and also a, a way to just be like, I'm ignoring pings from this person. Yeah. Just like I've, yeah. I've been in pugs where people like uh, just like spam yell, just spam yell um, <laughs> or worse. They've got assist for some, for whatever reason and they just spam raid warn and oh my God. Yeah. Like we, I'm just glad I have slash ignore. Yeah. Yeah. We always get the, the fun, like, depending if someone new gets assist and like they have like their raid markers turned on. So like yes. we have a weak or that assigns something and then it gets overwritten by like the, the, the big wigs yeah. or DBM. And you're yeah. like, well, where do I go? I was triangle. And they're like, no, you, I mean, the weak or said you were square, but then someone yeah. with assist has it and yeah, lose attempts to that. So yeah. yeah, no, I mean, but it'll, it'll be cool. I'm, I'm excited. I think this is sort of how to use it. I mean, if we even end up using it, but I think the ping, the ping stuff will be, is cool. Um, yeah. So hopefully, I mean, again, this this then do, like 
to talking about like Weekors playing the game for you, like adding a ping and saying like for Volcanic Heart where we would have issues and like being able to ping like I'm going there, like and that way people stay away is like a, a cool thing. Yeah. So yeah, um, um, yeah. I mean, I I am potentially excited about that. I do think that in general, like my take is they need to pull back harder on mechanics that they are making private. Like if it's private, it needs to be less punishing, less time sensitive, something mm-hmm. uh, than what Volcanic Heart was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's like hop over to some of the augmentation evoker stuff. A bunch of the interviews, not Max's, a bunch of the interviews though, did talk about augmentation evoker mm-hmm. um, and just various different aspects of it. Um, some of the like highlights of it, uh, there was a question about like, are we going, a couple of actually related ones. Are we going to see, so there's combat log hooks to help evaluating like augmentation evoker damage that show up in Warcraft logs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a question that was asked in uh, Wowhead's interview. Like, are we going to see these for something like Power Infusion or Wind Fury Totem or Chaos Brand? And the answer to that is basically no. Yeah. Uh, for for a variety of reasons, like Power Infusion is a technical one. Chaos Brand is like what happens if you have two Demon Hunters there. Um, but then also the kind of idea is that those are smaller. You know, you can look at the Demon Hunter's damage and you don't need to know the 5% that Chaos Brand brought to kind of get a sense that they are doing good or not doing good or are right. valuable or not valuable. Whereas like augmentation evoker, if you couldn't see the actual damage done, uh, damage contributed by augmentation evoker, you know, you'd be looking at the spec doing like tank DPS, if that, and just be like, is it good? I don't know. Let's just not play it because it might be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, the other thing is like, they, they sort of call like chaos brand or mystic touch, right? Like perks of playing the class. They're just like, Hey, you know, we're here. We just you automatically get it. It's not sort of added into like your own expected damage. Like they're not buffing yeah. Demon Hunter because they bring this five percent. It's just a like a flavor thing, a nice to have. Um, yeah. yeah. Similarly, too is like the Graham interview. So the the there was two interviews that really talked about evokers, but the one for Warcraft, the Warcraft logs did with Graham, one of the senior game designers, talked talked more about um, in terms of like opting into the play style. And being yeah. able to have that sort of like feedback in terms of, okay, how well am I doing, right? Like, because you can't just look at, like you mentioned, you can't just look at the damage done by you as an augmentation evoker and sort of get a true picture of like how well are you doing. Um, yeah. And then also they talked a little bit about this in the context of like some of the initial design work they were doing had augmentation evokers buffing haste for classes. Um, but what they found, they ran into is number one, like, well, they, they picked, they started with haste because it's very impactful. Like if you have 20% haste or zero, you feels better. But they found that like, it's also a very complex stat to attribute damage to, which is why things yeah. like PI are so difficult to like, or even heroism, like in, in some cases, like to attribute like, all right, what is the impact or like the, the buff that you get? Because like, you know, hots will tick faster, like dots will tick faster. You'll be able to get more casts off and like, um, yeah things like that. So like what percentage of a cast now that you cast it faster gets attributed to augmentation evoker versus not. Yeah. And so it's like, it becomes a little bit more of a difficult conversation. So, um, so yeah, so not going to see that type of like additional like feedback and logs to say like, okay, PI is like 10% of the raid damage. Yeah. Let's add that to the priest. Right. So, yeah, there's also, so they talked a little bit about like, they were concerned about having too many haste buffs like yeah where the point where having that level of haste becomes normal and then it's no longer special and it, instead of it being feels good when you have pi for like 10 seconds it now just feels bad for the like 20 percent of the time you are missing the haste buff from the augmentation evoker mm-hmm. and then it's like playing with that level of haste becomes normal and and so the it kind of flips the flips on its head the the like whether haste feels good or feels bad like haste yeah. i guess always feels good but then it it's like instead of it being ooh exciting i have pi it's like god i don't have the taste that i'm used to it feels really bad like the thing that you hear casters complain about at the start of every single expansion when they're walking yeah. into a new raid with like eight percent haste it just feels slow yeah it just feels slow um 
yeah it's uh yeah yeah so uh, i mean that oh, sorry yeah that's yeah <laughs> gotcha. uh, i was gonna get a little bit into the related one of like are they going to expand this kind of support spec concept into other existing specs and you you kind of mentioned this where like enhancement shaman maybe back in classic were the support specs i think we talked about this a little bit last week yeah um we're kind of a support spec now for the past like 10 years if you played enhancement shaman you were expecting to like be a damage dealer to do damage yeah. yourself and in a kind of a real sense wind fury totem is a perk it's a yeah. thing that you bring that's a cool thing it's group utility it's valuable but it's a perk not having it is fine having it is a nice bonus and the enhancement shaman even if you don't have other classes that are good with Wind Fury Totem. Enhancement Shaman is still good. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. Well, depending on tuning. But yeah. So, they, I think Graham sort of went through this. And I don't know if Ian mentioned it, but the idea would be is like they probably, like, number one, they're going to see how Augmentation Evoker goes. This is also why Augmentation Evoker wasn't in at launch, was that there was too many other changes that they did want to have to focus on balancing something along with balancing the talents across every other class, right? And just Invoker right. in general. Yeah. Um, so, Augmentation was always something they knew they wanted to do, but it it sort of was delayed slightly because of this. And then, yeah, they also mentioned that from a support class or spec perspective, they'll see how augmentation goes. And if it if it's good, if the community is well received, if they if they think it's a good fit for the way the game plays, then they'll explore essentially adding it in as additional specs to something. The nice part about augmentation is it's not something you have to do; you opt into being. And I think I mentioned that uh, right. like earlier. It's like you 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 have to select this spec and you 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 know what you're getting into in terms of like yeah. i'm going to do less damage so that my friends can do more damage or my raid can do more damage yeah i, I also suspect that they're a little bit wary of a rehash of the survival hunter situation in wad where basically the answer was a gigantic foot and mouth um we don't want you to play survival because we don't want you to be attached to it because we're going to change it yeah yeah Exactly. Like we, it's bad so that you don't play it, so you don't feel as bad when we change it out from under you. And yeah. like that was a very, very unpopular answer. I would go as far as to say it was a not good answer. So I think they may be a little bit wary of that, like of taking a, a spec like Enhancement Shaman. Yeah. Or um even you know, I've heard I've heard even Dispriest like mentioned yeah. as like an idea of like doing going on this route. Yeah. And like just like people are attached to those. They have been good, they are good. I mean, right. Dispriest is currently second, playing second fiddle to Holy Priest, but Dispriest was good last year. Yeah, traditionally, Dispriest has been the better of the two healing specs are there. Yeah, so I mean, um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I, I Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I've gotten Evoker up to to appropriate item level to start doing some Mythic. So we'll see how it, how it plays as an augmentation um, once we get through Prague. So um, I guess there's only one. Fine. I guess there's two things, maybe quick hits, and then I, I know we're hit, hitting time here. Um, Ian did bring up in his interview about rogue reworks, which I don't really want to talk about the actual rogue, rogue rework, but more about the idea that because the way their content patches and their content cycle lines up, they have some pretty rigid dates to hit. Things are going to be announced and then moved. And I think like Ian basically goes into the fact that like, look, we can not say anything. And then we go back to the way it previously was where, you know, every couple months you get a, a dump of here's what we specifically can make it into a patch or we go into a roadmap and there are going to be pieces of this roadmap that don't get in, right? That, that yeah. miss their dates. And so essentially the idea is like he acknowledged the frustration from rogue players who were expecting a rework in 10.15, but basically said, look, it, we just didn't have the time. Um, yeah. It's on our thing. We're going to try and I think 10.17. I don't know if he says that specifically, but yeah, um, he, he also alluded to like he didn't specifically say, but he mentioned like things can happen like the person that was working on it like you know it's not getting sick <laughs> yeah. uh, having irl stuff that they had to deal with so i don't like he just that example kind of stood out to me is like ah that maybe is hinting that that is actually what happened but the other thing that he said about that is we could have somebody else that is not as you know intimately familiar with the the spec work on it but if we're going to rework it does that make sense to have somebody right. that's not as familiar, isn't that just setting ourselves up to like having to rework it a second time yeah, a couple of years from now? Yeah, just to, do we make changes just to make changes because we said we would, or do we do it the right way? And like, 
have the community trust us to say like we are going to rework yeah. this we're looking at it it's just not going to make the original patch we said it so. is interesting to contrast this approach to the infamous uh shaman rework i think like enhancement shaman in early bfa was basically promised a rework in yeah, okay. 8.1 that never came and there was just radio silence about it and it just never happened yeah um you know there was a basically a promised rogue rework that has not happened but instead of being just radio silent about it there is the acknowledgement of like hey this rogue rework where is it it's not in 10.15 and the answer just basically being it will be coming it just it was not ready yeah exactly exactly and i think that's a function of i mean that's just they're doing more patching right so they have the ability to push yeah. things because in their roadmap they have another spot to put it versus previously yeah. if they missed a, a patch time it was six it months was before waiting the next six months <laughs> yeah because which, their patches were insanely far apart yeah yeah exactly um so that was the one thing which i think think is good i think it's just people in the community to do two things, be understanding that schedules change and trust that Blizzard's going to do what they do, which they don't have the best track record, but I'd say in Dragonflight, they're doing a lot better in that regard. Um, and the other thing, final thing I think for me is that in the Max interview, they did talk a little bit about fight length, which is, I think is an interesting thing in this tier where yeah. like, you know, we talked earlier, Sarkrath is a seven and a half minute fight, which in terms of end bosses is a far cry from the 14 minute Sylvanas fight that we had, right? Right, um, it's literally half the length. Yeah, exactly. And so what Morgan, and I, I don't know if Morgan or Michael actually responded to this. I think it was Michael, actually, the, the lead encounter designer, is the idea that like they want to hit shorter fights in general. They basically want the idea that like you start a fight and you are just go, go, go until the end. And the thing is with a fight like Sylvanas is that they can't do that because it's too long. They need break periods in the fight. And yeah. what happens is- And those break periods make it even longer. <laughs> exactly. And the idea too is that the difficulty then isn't the mechanics you're doing, it's paying attention like it's the, the paying attention for the 14 minutes like putting together a solid 14 minutes yeah. of play versus they can make a seven and a half minute fight make it hard make it come at you keep like keep coming at you and yeah. like that the difficulty is in executing that sort of speed thing so yeah which is cool so i think they they sort of mentioned that and the other thing is like if they ever get back to well 7 30 isn't their benchmark i think they said like generally like 10 minutes would be like the high end they want like end boss to hit like, like eight to Denadrius. 10 minutes Denathrius, yeah. for reference, was a 10-minute fight. Um, Denathrius was, was phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Um, and then they, I think Morgan mentioned, like, if we ever get back into, like, the 15-ish minute fight, like, that's a candidate to basically be two fights. And he gave the Carapace and the Zoth example. Because originally, Carapace and the Zoth were one fight. And that um, would have been a 20-minute 20, 20 long monstrosity. Shah of Fear, like, whew, like, hurt myself from MOP. 20-minute uh, yeah. fight there. So... Um, yeah. But no, I think that was, it, I think generally a good change. I think I am much, I'm a much bigger fan of the seven and a half minute fight. Cause if you mess up in P2, you're only losing half the time versus Sylvanas. Yeah. If someone walked off the side in like <laughs> P2, you're just yeah. like, God damn. <laughs> like, we right. have another, we have another five minutes to go. We can't do this without the extra person. right? Yeah. Or someone misses a jump in P3, like goes to the wrong platform. You're like, great. We just wasted, you know, nine minutes of. Yeah, of time yeah. like doing this so yeah um also just like one quick note before we wrap yeah. up is this the first confirmation that we've gotten that carapace of Nazoth and Nazoth were supposed to be one fight i think so uh uh i think maybe ian might have mentioned something earlier but i think it's the 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 first the best evidence maybe. like the best yeah. evidence we have yeah from from i yeah. think morgan mentioned that so yeah yeah, I don't, I just that was always like a we think that like is kind of it seems like, like it optically be a, it made sense yeah 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 you um, start outside go in so yeah 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 um cool I think that's that's a, a lot I think we probably missed a couple of things interview wise but yeah there's a um, bunch of technical stuff that we could talk about with augmentation evokers uh Zephyrus did the Warcraft logs interview. This is the first time Warcraft logs has had an interview like this, and I it made sense with how much stuff is like mm -hmm. the combat log hooks for for evokers are a big thing for for Warcraft logs. The big thing like community is going to be using it through that. Um, so like that is an interesting read if you are interested in some slightly more technical questions, mm -hmm. um, including a question that they were not prepared for uh, about the um, like performance implications of wow. having a ton of additional events this is actually something that i'm i don't like Gramberger didn't know the answer to this um yeah. i am curious if um 
one of the reasons that on the engineering side they did not have these combat log events visible in game is that it functionally doubles the number yeah. of events that you get for a lot of specs because for every spec in addition that is buffed by the augmentation evoker in addition to getting their damage event you also get a support event and yeah. there are already things like we had a uh, healer last year that basically fixed their performance problems on um Kurog by turning off in Voodoo the combat log uh update thing. That's hilarious. And that's that just they were getting like freezes every time the dot ticked. Oh wow. Uh just like not like hard, like two second long freezes, but just like in that moment, it would freeze for half a second. Like hiccups, yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. just like is even if it doesn't literally kill you, that's I wouldn't want to play like that. Oh yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so I, I am curious if if eventually that does come out to be part of the reason that that's not there. Um, but yeah, okay, we'll see. That is going to be it for the show today. Um, Ten one five comes out on you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So excited. very exciting. Uh, and. We'll be back next week to talk about Sarkareth in the new world. Yeah, Maybe, all those changes. Hopefully. Maybe a dead Sarkareth for, for you. Maybe a consistent raid group for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, probably Brewmaster stuff because uh, things will finally, maybe, hopefully be settled. Uh, nice. But yeah, that is going to be it for the show today. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.